There could never be a father loved his daughter more than I love you Trust your intuition, it's just like going fishing You cast your line Hello, welcome to the Super Happy Fun Time Korea Podcast. My name is Liam. I'm joined as always by my wonderful friend and co-host Jordan. Hello. Just kidding. This is Gale Boys. Um, and I bring that up because I like the idea of doing jokey intros now. I think that's a lot of fun. But this is our Halloween podcast. Now, this we is We need not- to start doing like a Howard Stern, like 90s um, soundboard sound effects, like wacky... Um, wacky noises and shit we need to uh, start introducing that i like that i'll think about it when i get down to editing this this is our halloween episode um now this is we were debating what to actually do for halloween because we could do a schlocky horror film and this isn't a particularly a horror film per se but it's horrifying i would definitely argue and it just by the end it's a horror film oh, by the yeah. end it's just pure yeah yeah so uh by the way because this film also just had its 20th anniversary it's the best time to talk about it uh it's park chan wook's old boy today straight up if you've not seen that movie um you've had 20 years i don't know why the fuck you haven't because we're gonna spoil the shit out of it and apparently there are some people who haven't seen this movie yet i have no idea why but Go watch it now and then come back because this is your last warning because we're going to spoil the fuck out of this movie. But I, I love when people complain about, oh, you spoiled this movie from 20 years ago. And it's like, so uh, how is that my problem? It's, it's like if you wanted to see this movie, you would have by now. But so you're just like complaining for no real reason. It's like, it's like when people complain about like spoiling The Godfather. Come on, man. Yeah, it's people still get mad when you spoil Fight Club. That movie's old. That yeah. I was, you most of you fucks were not even born when that fucking movie came out. But uh, I, yeah. I don't know what the uh, like demographics of our audience is, but if you're like if you're like younger than Fight Club, you probably shouldn't be listening to this. Probably not. Um, but granted, uh, well, I mean, thank you for the support anyway. Don't tell your parents. But let's get yeah. to the news. <laughs> Look at me, jerking off in the shower. So, uh, Kevin Spacey has really somehow found a way to survive, um, what, what has happened to him, I'd argue. Yep, remember, uh, Kevin Spacey, he's back in a pog form. Yeah, it's funny how he's just done the pivot. This is a continuation from last time, where if you get accused of sex or assault, you can just, like, pivot to be some, like, um, anti-cancel uh, cultural guy. I yeah. said, come on, man. Yeah, so um, for those who've not seen it, we're actually gonna, I'm actually going to post this in the show notes because it's the funniest shit you'll watch all day. Kevin Spacey went to Oxford and did a whole uh, spiel about cancel culture, which, uh, wow. Thy greediness would afflict thee, and oft thou shouldst hazard thy life for thy dinner, beast. Toad, rogue, rogue, rogue. I am sick of this false world and will love it not. There's a difference between being like canceled because you said the N word on a podcast and then being accused of raping children. There's a big fucking difference. Yeah, that's like. 
we're not going to argue that like cancel culture isn't real like all that dumb shit with uh, Shane Gillis a couple of years ago that was like queer cancel culture whereas for Kevin Spacey you've been accused of like 10 different rapes half your fucking accusers die under very mysterious circumstances then like yeah something is um Something's going on here. The, the thing is, is, I'm blown away Oxford let him on there. Granted, I know it's Oxford. Yeah. It's a long-term institution. A lot of bad shit's probably happened there. But you're going to let a serial rapist give a conference? Are you kidding me? Like, what the fuck? Who let this fucking through? Jesus. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it was Douglas Murray who introduced him. For people that don't know Douglas Murray as uh, the son of Charles Murray, the, uh, the bell curve guy. For people that don't know, the bell curve is like... The holy bible for people that think white people are like inherently superior to everyone else yeah it's like, it's like the bible for race and iq guys yeah i could see him kind of grasping at straws trying to find a new mouthpiece you know that's kind of the end result when you go down these roads you find like by the end you're giving matthew walsh airtime who's definitely got some child porn hidden away somewhere on his laptop so that's kind did of did you see those um those latest uh matt walsh crops that have been doing the uh the rounds i've seen a few of them uh, i they're I've... so fucking funny oh like, my god so, like um a, like a nurse who has a youtube channel i don't watch any of his stuff but um he like he challenged him to like some um like Walsh is given some like change my mind fucking talk around we don't want to treat adults like their children mm -hmm. Um, but we also have to understand the psychological capacity of actual children, which is why um, performing a life-altering surgery on a child or giving them, for example, cross-sex hormones, which can happen at the age of 14 or younger, uh, which sterilizes them. You know, what you're, you're making life-altering uh, changes to their body, but they all, they're also they're sacrificing things about themselves that they can't possibly understand like they're making decisions that aren't really decisions because they're not old enough to make them kids at that age are not not equipped to to make those kinds of decisions okay but my question was more of you just now you called them kids but do like were these not your words or do you like change your opinion because what i'm confused about is before you would say things along the lines of these are like adults um or should be in the eyes of either culture or society but now you're saying in this age range of like 13 to 16 or 19 um, in that age range, they're now children. Because I would imagine that giving birth for, you know, female body people, females, um, is a life altering decision. One possibly even greater since you're bringing a new life into the world than just altering your own. So are, the, oop, or are these children or are all these adults? These are children. I mean, okay. under the age of 18 are children. Really, your, your prefrontal cortex is not fully developed until you're... 25. Okay. Um, so even in like specifically, you know, marriages between these people and giving birth, you would say that's still child pregnancy and those are child children giving, like making that decision and giving birth? Uh, yes, I'm against child pregnancy, if that's your question. Okay. Basically just said, so you think that, um, like puberty blockers are evil and should be banned but you like they're like a danger to kids but you also think that like abortion for raped 13 year olds should also be banned teenagers like routinely die from fucking childbirth complications yeah yeah and, i know and Walsh is like yeah that should be banned that should be uh outlawed yeah, 13, should, like, 13 year olds yeah. usually don't give birth to eight pound children usually that's nah. not a fucking 
but th that's also what I love too about watching those clips is that these guys they have a very set amount of tools in their toolbox, and the minute they can't fucking use any of them, they shut down immediately because they're so used to dealing with either people who are stupider than them or people in a controlled environment. The minute they're in room with actual human beings who go out in the street and touch grass, they're they're fucking they can't control it. They can't fucking handle it. You know, yeah, this uh, happens to Ben Shapiro all the time. The, all the, time, the yeah. fucking BBC interview where he's up against a guy who's pretty much aligned with him. I can't remember his name. He was, and he, it's, uh, yeah, Andrew Neil, who's yeah, like Andrew a high Neil, Tory conservative. Yeah, they, he believes like roughly the exact same shit as Ben Shapiro. Yeah. He'll just like challenge, like quasi challenge him to debate. Why is it that a bill banning abortions after a woman has been pregnant for six weeks is not a return to the dark ages? What's your answer? My answer is something called science. Human life exists at conception. It ought to be protected. Now, back to my question to you. You purport to be an objective journalist. BBC purports to be an objective down-the-middle network. It obviously is not. It never has been. And you, as a journalist, are proceeding to call one side of the political aisle ignorant, barbaric, and sending us back to the dark ages. Why don't you just say that you're on the left? Uh, is this so hard for you? Why can't you just be honest? <laughs> Mr. Seriously, Shapiro, I, it's a serious question. Mr. Shapiro, if you only knew how ridiculous that statement is, you wouldn't have said it. I, I just really? asked you a question. And I asked you a question. You failed to answer a single one of mine. Well, Frankly, I find this whole thing a waste of time. If you want to read the book and critique the book, why don't you read and critique the book? If you want to, re if you want to critique me, you can think whatever you want of me. Why don't you Frankly, just try and I don't answer care. the I don't, questions? I don't frankly give a damn what you, you think of me you, since I've you, never heard of you. You, and I've never heard of you until I briefed myself for this, but that's not the issue. You have a then new why the book hell are you interviewing and it's, me, an in, it's an interesting book. But my point is, your book claims that society... Well, it would be society, nice if you would quote it from time to time. Your book is... Well, actually, I've done so several times, and I'm about to do so again, if you would let me just finish the question. Your book no, frankly, claims I don't that think society you know honestly, is turning honestly, its back sir. on Judeo-Christian values. Yeah, this is, what are those values what, considering what, what are the values it's turning its back on? I... I you know, I, I'm not inclined to continue an interview with a person as badly motivated as you as an interviewer. So I think we're done here. I appreciate your time. All so right. Thank you well, so much. thank you for your time and uh, for showing that anger is not part of American political discourse. Now, Mr. Shapiro, we'll say goodbye. Yeah, you're not fucking with some like 10 year old here. Yeah, like, no, you I, normally do. I've been in this game way longer than you, son. Don't be fucking talking to me like that. It's it's hilarious. But uh, go, skipping, getting away from. Uh, yeah, but the, the Kevin Spacey interview, it's absolutely <laughs> worth watching just because it's the most. It's rage-inducing and it's hilarious at the same time. It's uh, you'll go through a wide range of emotions as you watch it. We will be doing like a, a deep dive into him at some point. Oh, so, oh, speak one yeah. more thing with Kevin Spacey before we move on. He had a film that was supposed to premiere at a London film festival. Uh -huh, yeah. Then they, I guess they just found out they fucking had this thing and they threw it away <laughs> as fast as they could. It's supposed to be like a speaking-only role as well, like he's a voice on a radio. And even then, that's like, yeah, we probably shouldn't be. I wouldn't give him that much credence that he'll disappear because Jimmy Savile was an open secret for a long time. That motherfucker was in the public eye until literally after he died. Have you seen that uh, Steve Coogan show yet? I've been watching it. I think we're going to do an episode on it because it's, yeah, it's yeah. wow. And I got to say, Steve Coogan absolutely fucking nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. And I do find a little, uh, do find a little insulting the BBC will do a show on Jimmy Savile after, you know, everything like it fucking throwing johnny rotten off the air because of it and i'm not even a fan of johnny rotten but he was completely right to call them out on that i've been watching it as well and 
people tend to forget that Steve Coogan's uh, an actor on top of being a comedian. Yeah. It's, it's such like uncanny valley shot, like he is fucking Jimmy Savile doing that. It's an old video of him like did a Jimmy Savile impression, and this is like before oh, yeah. all the shit came out. You're a pretty alternative, Steve, aren't you, really? I am indeed, Yeah, Julia, yes. I mean, uh, uh, what, what's your favourite? You can't, I don't suppose you could do a uh, quick impersonation of Jimmy while well, he sat here, could you? Everyone has impressions of Jimmy, but yeah. uh, um, I'll have a go with the stock line. Um, go on. It didn't get to number one, but it was a number one guy. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was turning the clock back to when I was first on the radio, my first week in showbiz with a very young Cliff Richard there. Is that your first week in showbiz? That's the very first week. Flinting, That's what I sounded yeah. like then. How, you're not that old now. Do you know I sounded like that then? <laughs> um, well, you know, grapevine. Really. That was from Radio Trent, that was. They sent me that. That's very nice of them. So he's just using that and playing it evil. But... Yeah, there's um, a long-running thread of like comedians doing Jimmy Savile impressions. It was like a, a five-minute compilation of um, Hugh Dennis doing Jimmy Savile and Mock the Week from like years and years ago. Which the BBC wouldn't allow him to do that yeah, anymore. Yeah, no, so. I think Chris Morris got in trouble. No, he got in trouble for Rolf, <laughs> yeah. Rolf Harris, I think, was the Rolf one. Rolf Harris, yeah. That was the one, because it, it was a clip of, like, children being dragged off the street, and it's a truck that says Rolf Harris's daycare center or something. Uh, right. It's aged very well. <laughs> We're kind of going off the train here, because we really don't want to talk about uh, the next item here, um, Israel and Hamas. This is a fucking... Uh, this is a... If we say the wrong thing, this podcast will get banned because there's been a lot of emotions running rampant because of this. Uh, I think I know BDS is banned in my country. I think it's banned in yours too, actually. As yes, we were one of the first countries to ban any criticism of Israel, and um, our like Home Secretary is talking about just banning the Palestinian flag. Like if you wave that for any reason, you're just going to jail. Wow. Yeah, but uh, look, as as two men with Irish heritage, we're not the biggest fans of Israel. Um, no. And with the recent bombing at the hospital, I don't think all 500 people in that bombing were card-carrying members of Hamas. I think they went a little too crazy with that. And uh, it's going to get worse, because I guarantee, they, I think they cut off the water supply there too, so yeah, that was, people are going to die that... of fucking starvation and thirst. It's going to get so ugly. Day one is how they cut off uh, water supply, power supply. Uh, all those hospitals are basically running on generators and fuel supply is scarce, so they're going to be shut down. Food supply is also like tightly regulated. They've cut that off as well. So yeah, this is just ethnic cleansing. Yeah, like, like is... as you always just doing it's a little mini holocaust in Gaza. It's only going to take, you know, it, the worst part is it's going to take the worst possible videos coming out of there for people to start criticizing. Because, like. Yeah. Well, even then, like the hospital thing, like the Israeli spin on that immediately was, oh no, we didn't do that. Um, like Islamic Front did it. It's like, you, you fucking bragged about doing it. Yeah, well, not... like your fucking official IDF Twitter handle says you were going to do this. Yeah. Yeah, no. Even Russia said this is bullshit, and they're fucking not exactly people <laughs> we should be taking advice on war from right now. But even they're like, "Come on, guys, what the fuck are you doing?" And I have a lot of sympathy for the Palestinians because you know, as like I said, we have history, and if you know anything about apartheid governments and things like that, you know, you, you tend to side more with the people being oppressed than the oppressor. That's just human nature. You you sympathize with the victim over the bully usually. And you see all these people, I see all these fucking people on, like, social media and, like, the news people, liberals, like, why can't they do nonviolence like Martin Luther King Jr.? Yeah, they tried doing a nonviolent thing in, t like, what, five years ago? 
They tried yeah. to have an open election. And... So in 2018, there was the right of uh, return, which is like thousands of Palestinians went up to the um, the Gazan border and just like stood there, and the IDF just shot them anyway. Yep. There's like phone recording footage of IDF soldiers bragging about like blowing Fed's fucking legs off and shit. Like the the amputee rate in Gaza is like fucking sky high. It's brutal. It's so fucking awful. It's just it's, yeah, what's going on over there is. We'll see how long it goes on for, because I, I do see this tide turning soon, because there's only so much you can get away with before everyone is going to start kind of questioning you. Yeah. Well, it already is, like Saudi Arabia, which is entering like normalization talks with Israel, they're getting cold feet. Egypt as well. The, the, the fact that fucking Joe Biden basically just told Egypt to take in like 2 million Palestinian refugees, it's come on to fuck, man. How, yeah. how, how do you expect them to respond to that? I know Trump wanted to go to Israel, which that would have been a fucking disaster. Yeah, yeah. I kind of wish he went. That would have just been a nightmare. Cause... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to dab on Joe Biden for this because he is like, his administration in particular is like, super responsible for this. He went on TV and basically like told that lie about the 40 fucking beheaded babies. Yep. And which the White House immediately backtracked on. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, he sucks, but Trump is also complicit. The minute he moved that fucking embassy, the US embassy in Jerusalem in like 2018 as well, that kicked this off, man. Yeah. That like really fucking stuck the hornet's and, nest and off. It's also, so. it's also, this is mostly, like, as I've said this on this podcast multiple times and off air, you, you can criticize the Israeli government and not be anti-Semitic. It's very easy because let's face it, Benjamin Netanyahu is a dictator. He loved... He has been trying to build an authoritative government for a long time. And this this attack, what happened, is probably the best thing that ever fucking happened to him. He's like, finally I get to do this. Finally, I've been waiting for this. Fucking footage of him in 2019, like, giving a speech to um, the Likud party, basically saying, yeah, we financed Hamas. Like, they're there because we want them to be there because they're a fucking... They're a scapegoat for us. They're like a reason we can fire rockets into Gaza. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get off this because I really don't want to get that much in trouble with our local governments. We'll we'll definitely say more when when more things yeah. come out and this shit. Just to wrap that up again, Justin Trudeau cheered on a Nazi not that long ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did a whole thing on this and. <laughs> oh boy. All right, but uh, yeah, uh, there's quite a bit of news today. We a lot has happened in this last two weeks. Um, so in America, there has been a huge problem with the Speaker of the House. Uh, this is the funniest shit. Because, yeah, this is getting a little more lighthearted news before we get back into the blackpilling. This is fucking hilarious. So, Kevin McCarthy was ousted after nine months uh, due to eight members of his party wanting... The, the actual story of why this happened is hilarious. They kind of wanted a government shutdown. I firmly believe the reason they want a government shutdown is they think it will stop the court system from uh, prosecuting uh, Donald Trump. I really do think that was what they thought was going to happen. If the government shuts down, the court system will shut down. It was, it was the Freedom Caucus as well, which is great, because every single member of that is just like some insane fucking QAnon cycle. They were too fucked that, like, up. Trump should be king forever. Marjorie Taylor Greene got kicked out of there. That's how fucked up they are. She's not even crazy enough for them, and she's fucking crazy. All CrossFit cycles, she's like a massive philanderer. She got into a lot of shit for like divorcing her husband not that long ago, which is like... 
if you're a Republican man, you fine, whatever. But if you're like the talking Republican female, that's like yeah, no, that's that's, that's the classic. Um, wives can't divorce their husbands, but husbands can divorce their wives. It's only in very religious cultures is that a thing. But um, yeah, no. But th- this has led to a absolute disaster of just they have no one else. McCarthy's not running again, and. Steve Scalise tried to run and then dropped out. I think he has fucking blood cancer too, so I don't even think he's. Yeah, last. he's he's literally dying. So yeah, I don't think he should be. He'd be like the god emperor, just sitting on his throne and fucking dying. He'll like, die of fucking a fucking heart attack if he gets this job. Are you kidding me? Like my favorite is when John Boehner, the minute he finally quit, he looked like he he looked like the the guy holding the stone over his head, throwing it over. Like thank fucking god, this <laughs> is done. I don't have to fucking do this anymore. But uh, they wanted Jim Jordan. That seemed to be the big yeah. thing. Now, for those who don't know who Jim Jordan is, he, I can't remember who called him. Uh, some other Republican called him a legislative terrorist because he kept blocking bills when Obama was president. And now they're like, let's make him Speaker of the House. And uh, yeah, Jim Jordan, uh, but he's most famous for he worked at Ohio State University where he was on the wrestling uh, team and he covered up for basically did the Joe Paterno covered up for multiple pedophiles who worked there and did did some shit I'd argue was witness tampering and uh, never got in trouble for this. No, he uh, he basically failed upwards. If you're some coach that covers up like multiple fucking um, sex crimes, instead of getting money, you just get like a very nice lucrative job in politics. Unless you're Joe Paterno, in which the yeah. crimes were so egregious. Whatever happened to uh, Jerry Sandusky? What happened to him? Oh, he's still in prison. He, he'll, he's oh, yeah. still yeah. in prison. Um, he was dead, I uh, You know, those guys look pretty cushy in prison. Joe Paterno died like six months after they fired him, which is... Uh, Damn, son. <laughs> you know what? That's beautiful, I would say. <laughs> they fire you six months later, they took his statue down, and he fucking killed over. Yeah. Poetic justice, in a way. Yeah, it was how like, every statue... That's like erected in America is like has is to be eventually someone... taken down. <laughs> yeah, just like all oh, those statues of fucking Nathan Bedford Forrest, and the last statue standing will be that Lenin statue, and I think it's Massachusetts. Yeah. This big statue of Lenin. That maybe, fucking, maybe, like... maybe the Pat Tillman statue that they erected for him, but even I don't <laughs> yeah, know. If national hero Pat Tillman. Yeah, even I don't know if they'll keep that if if, if they find something too egregious. If they could spin that, I feel like, but. Uh, no, yeah, uh, MTG says something about uh, Pat Tillman recently, which is very funny. Like, Pat Tillman's an American patriot and hero. No, he was shot in the head for trying to, like, spill the secrets. He gave, up, hundred, he gave up tens of billions of dollars to fight in Iraq, regretted it, and then they shot and killed him for trying to desert. Yeah. That's what fucking happened. Yeah. Oh, what a sad fucking story that guy is. <laughs> yeah. What a sad story. But, uh, no, uh, but it's always funny, uh, in America... College sports is such a fucked up thing where just you rub shoulders. These guys make so much money and get away with so much. Bobby Knight didn't get fired until after he got caught on video choking his players. There's He was throwing chairs on the floor. There's videos of him threatening his students and no one cared until he committed actual physical violence. At least, like, FIFA is just, like, financial crimes. Yeah, at least. It's like, yeah, we'll, um, we'll take a bribe from some Arab dictatorship to hold the World Cup, yeah. whereas in America, it's like, we take some hush money to cover up, like, multiple child rapes. I think the worst thing Seth Blatter ever did, at least in my opinion, was he was talking about women's soccer in a very fucking bad way, which is... Yeah. I mean, I can't remember, he was saying some shit, like, if they, they, if they wore shorter shirts, more people would watch women's soccer, which is a real fucking nasty thing to say, but... Yeah, he, he said that right as, like, women's soccer was starting to take off as well. <laughs> what an asshole. 
Is he dead now? I know he's been out of. No, he's uh, he's like that guy from The Simpsons with the uh, like Hawaiian shirt. He just like loves as that guy now. Secluded in some fucking tax haven. No shit. I, I remember after all the shit came out, they released the movie about him, and then it just no one would. <laughs> yeah. That's a fucking amazing story. Like just one person went to go see it. After like, FIFA was under investigation by like multiple countries, it's so fucking funny. Oh uh, boy. Uh, fucking sports is sports is a, a great place to find awful people. It's amazing. But uh, to to wrap up the news segment, there's been a lot to talk about. Uh, I don't like these going as long as they are, but I do want to end on a interesting uh, footnote. This is a story I've personally been following for the last two years, um, and we only now just got a real concrete update on it. So. We talked about QAnon last episode, and I've always been fascinated with the mindset of QAnon. The eventual end result of what will be uh, these people who believe that the government is evil and the hopelessness will eventually take over and they'll resort to violence. We're seeing this in my country. The QAnon Queen of Canada is kind of turning into David Koresh now, building this like fucking school in Saskatchewan into a fortress. Do you know how that's just allowed to happen? Like, Trudeau's too busy sending, um, like, tanks to Israel. He's, he's like, he, he, must... he's, he's, he can't look over his shoulder and see, like, some psycho has declared herself the fucking, like, sovereign queen I of think, the, I think it's also, the like, land. No one took it seriously because it's fucking crazy, but also now she has, like, 50 people who've lost their homes because of her, so they have nothing yeah. to lose. And if they have the American contacts, I think they have, they can get some guns. It's, it's going to end badly. Uh, it's gonna end really badly that, and uh, we'll keep you updated if anything changes. But this case here, Justin Trudeau is gonna drive a tank through our house and set on fire. And then someone, yep, and then and then children will die. It'll be it'll be great. And then someone will do an Oklahoma City here. It's gonna be a fun couple of years in this country. I can't fucking yeah. wait. But there was a story. So this happened two years ago. Uh, Matthew Coleman, this guy, uh, this guy is to me the the tragedy of QAnon completely personified. He was a a surf instructor. He was a born-again Christian. He had a church in Santa Barbara. He was also really into QAnon. Like, really, really into it. And one day, um, he had a fight with his wife, or something happened. Um, he kidnapped his two children. One was two years old. The other was a ten-month-old baby. He drove them to Mexico, and he killed them with a spear gun. It's a horrible crime, horrible story. He was arrested. They brought him back to California to stand trial. And it came out recently, he is so fucked up, they he's not competent to stand trial. Which seems to be the running theme with a bunch of people who commit crimes in the name of QAnon. The, the guy who shot and killed the mob boss in New York was also found not competent as well. And I think, yeah. it, I think it just comes so, down to these judges just don't want to fucking hear this shit. Like, could you imagine you're in court trying to do your job and then one guy's yelling, We demand to hear the griffin screeching in the morning and just... You gotta sit there like, you're fucking crazy. I can't put up with this today. It's the Joker thing. Of like, is the Joker actually insane or is he just faking it so he doesn't get the death penalty? I think this guy's so fucking like, crazy. I think if you're gonna... Oh yeah, it's like, if you like convince yourself that like, your 10-year-old kid is some like deep state stooge or whatever, then it's like, yeah. Apparently his, reason, his reasoning was they had lizard blood and he had to kill them uh -huh, because yeah. they would be the anti-crime. This is an absolute slam dunk defense case if you're a lawyer, but... It's also, he's now currently residing in a mental institution. He will be um, able to, they're going to re, they're going to reevaluate him in March next year. And this could go on. Cause that's the thing about uh, an insanity defense. It's not like you just get off. You, they keep you in a mental hospital until you're medicated enough to go in front of a jury. Cause if you put two dead kids in front of a judge, 
they're gonna want this guy to, to face some kind of justice. They don't give a shit. They're like, you killed two kids. You, you're, you're going to jail somehow. We don't care how long it takes. It's like uh, 12 Monkeys. That guy's just gonna be next to uh, Brad Pitt talking about how his uh, TV talks to him. That, him, he, him and that guy who shot the mob boss, they should share a cell yeah. together. Oh, they'd make some great... They're just gonna spread shit on the walls talking about fucking trump saving them from prison i don't know it's just yeah that's, I, that's gonna I, happen every day you know? yeah all that's, i know is he, this is a dangerous motherfucker and he shouldn't be let out again at all but yeah I, i'm very curious to see if more QAnon followers follow this guy's path because this is the path i imagine a lot of these people are eventually going to go down this isn't the first QAnon involved killing and it sure as shit won't be the last the tragedy of QAnon. we got trump in there he didn't arrest quentin he didn't expose the pedal deep state. He just gave a bunch of money to Israel. You either like reconcile that and move on, or you just go crazy and kill people. Yeah, or you you, you murder your own children. It's it's uh -huh. awful, but that's the nature of a cult. Eventually, you will uh, the hopelessness seeps in, and you build a compound in the middle of the desert, and you have a gunfight with the federal government. That's usually how it goes down. It would be funny if uh, Trump's next move is to, um, he says he has some spaceship in the basement of our Trump Tower. He's so desperate right now it. with all his legal troubles getting... <laughs> it's just like the Simpsons, the leader flying away in the uh, the biplane with sacks of money attached to it. Oh, fuck, I can't wait. Like I said, it'll be very fun. He has so much legal trouble right now, to the point where it's driving him to madness. He seems to be fucking losing it. But remember, Republicans eat their young. They really do. They eat their young. Terrible statement, but it's true. He started swearing now as well. Oh. Let's indict the motherfucker. Let's indict. Which is shocking to hear him curse. He's a vulgar man, but you don't. It's like Steven Seagal. He's vulgar, but hearing him curse is very weird. Kind of shocking to hear him drop the F-bomb like that so publicly. That's when you know that, like, Trump is just fucked. He's, 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 he's like, yeah, yeah, he's done. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's not getting back in now. Oh, that's gonna be fun. He's still probably gonna win the nomination. That's the best part. Oh, this is gonna be... F Next yeah. year is gonna be so fucking fun in America. I cannot wait. Yeah, yeah it rules how they're just doing that again. They're just doing yeah. Biden versus Trump Let's again. have the guy who lost us the election the last time run for office. That is such a bad fucking idea, man. Especially yeah. after all this shit coming out. It's just... Well, they have no one else. That's the problem. They have fucking no one. They should, yeah, do, well, they should, a... they should do the Brewster's Millions and just put none of the above <laughs> on, the, on the ballot. Going from one fucked up thing to another, uh, today's movie is um, as an uh, old boy. We were debating about like what type of um, Korean horror we could do. We were actually going to do Chaser, but yeah. we thought since it's um, old boy's 20th anniversary, we'll just do that instead. Yeah, we're talking about old boy, uh, directed by Park Chan Wook, based on a manga. Uh, and it, it's one of the, it's such an interesting film when you look at like where, because Korean cinema now has become, it's kind of what Hong Kong was in the 80s and 90s. It's become sort of the alternative to um, average American cinema. You want to just experience something completely different. Like that's what Hong Kong was. You had John Woo, you had Ringo Lam, and now you go to South Korea because you get Park Chan-wook, you get Kim Joo-woo, you get 
Nong Jin. You get all these just brilliant directors who really are just making shit that no one else is making anywhere in the world right now. Korean movies are very interesting because they're like they're super fucked up. Like whenever they do a horror movie, it's like goddamn this like oh. fucking this blows like American horror at the fucking wall. Uh, my favorite of those is uh, Tale of Two Sisters, where it's a ghost movie and then it just ends with like the saddest fucking result. You're not even scared anymore. You're just sad as shit for the people in the, the house who are the ghosts. They they do that a lot, and I think it's also like yeah, South Korean cinema is if you've ever seen any pretty much any film from South Korea, even like a crowd pleaser over there, they're pretty violent and pretty dark, and that goes into South Korea as a culture. It's kind of like what Japan is, where on the one hand it has this outward of look appeal of being happy and fun, like South Korea you have K-pop and. Japan, you have anime, and you know, you think, oh, it's like that there, but if you actually look at the underbelly, oh, it's dark. It's really, really dark over there. Yeah, South Korea, like, wasn't a, a democracy until, like, the late 90s. Oh, yeah. Just after World War II, it was a string of fucking military dictatorships, and that never really goes away. You can cover up before this, like, bubblegum k-pop shit but like people still remember the time when fucking like Sigmund Rhee was killing people that were accused of being communists oh yeah no like, that were, wasn't that long ago you had massacres in the 80s you had just fucking people just like dictatorships um there's so many insane stories of just like and it, it st the corruption is still rampant there every president oh, yeah. eventually gets arrested for something yeah there was this uh vice documentary not that long ago where they exposed that like but there's like three or four families basically just run the entire yep. country. Yep. They can just do whatever the fuck they want. Yep, uh, that, that's another example of that. Um, there's uh, Hogwans, if you've ever read about those. There are these private yep. schools where just, like, teachers will just openly watch porn in their fucking, like, classrooms and just no one says anything. Midnight running is a term specifically for Korea, for English teachers who are in similar positions that I was in, who their bosses are breaking laws or breaking rules or treating them horribly, whether it be racism, sexual assault. It is for people who their last resort is leaving and not telling anyone. There was a whole movie yeah. made over there called Silence. It's from the guy who created Squid Games, actually. Hogwans weren't actually enforced until this movie came out and then like people got arrested for crimes in the early 2000s and laws were changed. It's fucking insane. Plays a, a big part of this movie, this idea that like people can just get abducted off the street and held in like a private prison for an unspecified amount of time. Yeah. You can just like do that over there. Yeah, but uh, yeah, go into the movie. So this is a film that, this is sort of considered the gateway drug for the South Korean, because uh, yeah, this boom started around 1997 which is when the dictatorship, like, people actually started to, were allowed to make, like, open art. That wasn't really a thing until really around the really late 90s, early 2000s, and Park Chan-wook kind of came from that. His career is so interesting, because we know him as this great filmmaker, but he actually got his start as a film critic. Like, that was his original first job, he was a film critic. He started directing movies around 92, and then really took off around 2000 when he made a movie called Joint Security Area, which is actually a really interesting movie. It's uh, Arrow put out a very good Blu-ray of it about a uh, murder that takes place at the D the DMZ and these North Korean and South Korean officers have to work together to find out who actually killed this guy. It's, it's such a fascinating movie. And it was also South Korea's highest grossing film at the time. 
It was a big hit, which is kind of wild. Origin stories for how we watched this, um, or how we first saw this. I didn't see this until much later on, like eight, nine years ago. Um, my uncle made me watch this, so for context, um, it's me and my uncle... Uh, his like not then wife but like girlfriend and another friend of ours we were watching Eurovision at the time <laughs> and I distinctly remember this because it was when like some gay Russian guy won and there was a lot of like weird controversy around that mm. and um, have you ever seen Eurovision that like so uh, Eurovision ends at like half one we're all like yeah that's that was good we'll, we'll retire and then um, my uncle's fucking through and he noticed um, Old Boy is about to start on Channel 4 and he was the only one who had seen it. And he was like, no, we need to watch this movie. We need to watch, we need to stay up until like half four to watch this movie. And by the end of it, like the three of us who hadn't seen it were just like completely fucking flabbergasted. By oh it. yeah, no. What, what year was this? This was, uh, fuck, this must be like 2013 or something. Wow, they showed it uncut, I guess? Because if you're flabbergasted. Oh yeah, uncut at like two in the morning as well. Damn, that's a, that's such a fucking amazing like first of all your uncle's taste in movies is awesome and he'll force <laughs> yeah, you to stay no. up till fucking 4 a.m to watch this movie but that's a that's a tough movie to watch the first time because my first experience wasn't until high school i was getting into asian movies i'd gotten into like hong kong i'd watched hard-boiled i'd watched uh, jaw brothers kind of like like grindhouse kung fu movies and then I discovered South... I, this was my gateway to South Korea. After that, I've just been kind of... Wa I've watched a lot of movies from South Korea, but this was my first real introduction to South Korean cinemas. And I really didn't know how to feel the first time I saw this movie because I was just... I was confused. I was upset. I was deeply uncomfortable. I felt like I had to go take a shower after I watched this thing. It was... Yeah, this, this isn't like a conventional movie. Um... It's, it's like a sort of basic uh, crime procedural until halfway through it just becomes super fucked up plot about incest. It becomes Oedipus. It literally just turns yeah. into the fucking story of Oedipus. It's And uh, yeah, I've never read the, the manga. This is actually based on a Japanese manga, which is so fascinating because, uh, you know, you never... This, it's become more, the movie is more famous than the source material, and yeah. I've, I've read the manga is nowhere near as twisted as the movie is. No, the um, the bad guy sentences um, the main hero to like 10 years in prison because like, he made fun of him in high school or something. Yeah. Completely different. It's like, yes, this is, you, you, you can see Park Chan-wook like took that story and like, did something like significantly more interesting with it. You know, this is actually part of an unofficial trilogy in his, so he, after Joint Security Era was a big hit, he basically could write his own ticket. So he made Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance and even though this is part of the quote vengeance trilogy none of these films are connected they're all completely different the styles are different the tones are different but i haven't actually seen sympathy for mr vengeance a long time but i remember it being it's much more muted than old boy is where like old boy is very stylized and so is lady vengeance the follow-up to this but sympathy for mr vengeance it's very quiet there's very there's long static shots there's very like the violence is filmed almost at a distance with static cameras, whereas Old Boy, everything is just swirling, and there's so many insane editing choices. And this movie really did influence an entire generation of directors over there. It, it's kind yeah. of amazing. I've, I've never seen that as their like wacky comedy moments. There is wacky comedy moments, but the actual like tone of the story is way more 
muted and the violence is more muted. It's n- L- L- This is more comparable to Lady Vengeance, which is just straight up. If you've never seen Lady Vengeance, has one of my favorite. It has an ending almost more fucked up than this, where she has this murderer of kids in the fucking room, and rather than kill him, she invites all of the victims of his child murders to this house, and she plays the snuff films for the parents, and then just gives them knives and says he's in the next room, go and kill him. It's yes. dark as shit. At least there's some uh, catharsis with that, uh, with that plot. There's no real uh, oh. catharsis with this. Even though the bad guy kills himself at the end, there's oh. no real, like, yeah. That there's is no the real most... That is so powerful, that sequence, because after he does all of this, after he humiliates this man, he has him, he has Desu, the, the main character, be a dog, cut his tongue out, fucking humiliate him. He imagines his sister... And he just starts breaking down, crying, and realizes, I did all this for fucking nothing. The trauma's still with me. Where's my fucking gun? I can't fucking do this anymore. And just the the cut from the music to him blowing his brains out is haunting as shit. Because it's so sudden. And he's just sitting in the elevator, and the elevator fucking closes, and that's the end of his character. That's that's, that's what's interesting about this plot. It starts off very, like police procedural and then he makes his like quote-unquote like not daughter in the sushi bar yeah he, <laughs> didn't he didn't he have to eat like fucking two live squids okay for that so scene? the story of that is fucking amazing so the scene is uh, the scene in context is awesome he's been prison the, the, i love how they show him coming out because he's in 1988 he gets put in this motel room and he's just staying there for 15 years watching the history. Fed off a diet of fucking, um, like, vodka and, uh, and chicken shit. dumplings. Yeah, yeah and yeah. he's just watching TV, fucking losing it. He starts believing there's bugs on his skin and shit. And he's shadow boxing, and that's when he starts to lose all that, that weight. And then he just gets let out immediately. And him kind of coming back to society is so fascinating. When he goes in the elevator... The girl with yeah, his dog. That's my just, favorite scene. He's just looking at her like, who the fuck are you? Like, he's so scared. Yeah, he goes to the sushi bar. And this is the most badass thing I've ever seen in any movie. He comes in, he's got his sunglasses on. She's like, what do you want to eat? And he just says, I want to eat something alive. So he gives her, a, she gives him a fucking raw, a live squid. And the actor himself, Choi Min-suk, actually fucking eats this live squid on camera. It is fucking insane. And it's crazy, you know, he's a vegan. He's like a vegetarian. He did this shit real, even though he's a fucking vegetarian. Did he have to do it, like, twice I think as he had well, to do it twice, because like, fucking... yeah. he eats too... That's... Like, that's so dangerous. If you know anything about, like, octopus tentacles, they will cling to you. People who've done this, like, who try to do this, the octopus tentacles died, will cling yeah. to your I'm fucking to throat, and you choke to death. It's... That's so... Because the first thing he does is go for the head, trying to kill it. It's the craziest shit, and it's... If you're an animal, if you're an animal rights person, that's probably not the best thing to watch, but it's incredible to what, like, people say Tom Cruise does his own son, so does this fucking guy, holy shit. I've seen this enough times where I didn't have to, like, rewatch it, because I, like, remember most of it in my head, but I was looking up, um, background stuff, and I noticed that the actor, like, did most of his own stunts, yeah. and some of the shit he has to do in this is... Fucking oh, wild, the, the one-take hallway fight where I guarantee oh, you he actually got hit. That, that scene where the, the board hits him in the back and it breaks yeah. off. Oh, he definitely got hit. That sequence is fucking insane. So that's the sequence most people know the one-take. Yeah, if you haven't seen this movie, you've seen this scene. Oh, it's Marvel like... has referenced this fight scene with, with the Daredevil show. That's how fucking famous this thing is. People have copied it, tried to imitate it, but it's... It's amazing. It's just a static camera, side shot, static camera, 
and he's fighting 25 men in this hallway and it is I think it took them six takes to actually get this right and it's so and it's actually one take this isn't like five minute takes here and then cut it here they did this whole thing in one take and they fucked up once they had to do it again and everyone was just so exhausted by the end of this <laughs> like because it, it's you can see it like when they're fighting how tired because they're actually fighting yeah. this isn't like choreographed like badass kung fu fight this is literal life or death fighting like like fucking oh, yeah this has got a, a few ever actually been his... yeah everybody's back have you ever actually like been in a fight with someone you can get tired like fairly easily because oh, yeah. in high school there'd be like fights all the time over like random bullshit there would be like five minutes long before the fucking like teachers come and break them up because i think they were just sitting back with popcorn like enjoying themselves <laughs> but like by the end of it, the people involved just they couldn't even fight anymore because they were just like fucking on the floor, tired as shit. That's why hockey referees never come in until the two minutes. Like, okay, they're definitely tired because they're wailing punches at each other. And like, if you watch even boxing, like try to try to do that, try to get on the balls of your feet, throw punches for two minutes, and then just take break and then do it again. It's fucking exhausting because I've been in fights. It's fights are hard. They're very hard to do. <laughs> And I do love, like, that's also kind of the thing that made this movie influential. This movie kind of does away with the whole, like, because Asian cinema's known for very choreographed fights. That's not really a thing that's universal, but if you think, like, what has made it over Shaw Brothers, John Woo, these beautiful ballets of violence, and here it's just scrapping. It's fucking not like anything else you've seen. If, if, you've, if that's all you've experienced is, like, heroic bloodshed Hong Kong movies or... Shaw Brothers Kung Fu movies, this is completely different. Choking Assassin, where the violence is like so over the top, whereas here it's like very raw, very visceral. That like close up scene where the um guy is getting his teeth pulled oh. out with the hammer. Oh. Yeah. The shot that gets me is when he's licking the hammer before he does it, because that's how yeah. close he is. He's like, oh fuck, help me. And I do love the shot too, where before that happens, because this is the thing about this movie that I love. There's this movie's fucked up, it's violent, it's disturbing. There is a lot of shit in this movie that's very funny. The shot... Oh, it's before funny he, shot. Before he goes in and duct tapes that guy to the chair, he's got the hammer up ahead. It's a very famous shot where the dotted lines go up to his head. He's yeah. Like, All right, motherfucker. Like, what do you want? Do you want to do this? And there's a couple others. Like, the scene before he gets kidnapped off the street, he's in a police station drunkenly on the floor, just acting like a child. It's, and then hard cut to him passed out in the fucking chair. <laughs> very goofy moment up until you get like the review of why all this is happening yeah, that's like, when the, the, movie... like, the bad guy is just some like sex pervert oh yeah no there's a there's a there's a shot of him and i just love how this movie i love how this movie bait and switches you when you as a viewer because you're watching it and you kind of sympathize with this guy to a certain degree like because you find out why he kidnapped this guy and like you find out even though he's a sex pervert did basically cause his sister to kill herself yeah so you do kind of feel like there's this one shot i've always loved in the movie where he's in the shower it looks like a fucking r&b video he's just sitting there like just that fucking house he loves in is insane that fucking oh, apartment with the... like with like the giant fucking wardrobe that's like a cube that unfolds it looks... and he's got all his suit set up he lives in, like that that one shot in the shower. he lives in like a, a constant cologne ad he's like my life is a lot but damn, I smell good. So you haven't seen the uh, remake to this, have you? The Spike no. Lee remake. I refuse to watch <laughs> it. I just I heard it happen. I remember hearing this happening. I'm like, how dare you? Like, yeah. 
I have no idea how Spike Lee got roped into it. I, I have no idea why it happened. Yeah. I think it was like a director for hire thing because there was like a long running thread of like other possible directors and well, they just like landed on his lap. And Spike like, yeah, Lee has thing. done that oh. before. Like Inside Man was definitely a director for hire gig. And that was kind of at the point of his career where he was kind of struggling to get funding for movies. And then. Yeah. You know. So it's just like, yeah, fuck it, I'll, I'll do it, old boy. So um, the reason why the uh, bad guy is the way in this, it's um, Charlotte Copley doing like a very um, poncy British accent. <laughs> the reason why he's, um, he's kidnapped Josh Brown is because his like father's been fucking him. His father's oh. like some um, knight of the realm and shit. And young Josh Brown catches him fucking his daughter. And there's a scene, you've probably seen this scene, like... um. Like fucking your movie sucks. Um, like I, I famously, it's fun of it. I do not watch. Yeah, that he channel. fuck him. I, I, yeah, Adam as is, soon um... as I saw him in that Mass Effect review, like, why can't we fuck dog? Yeah, I never... which I don't think you should go to jail if if there's no evidence whatsoever that the animal was being abused. Because if the animal wasn't abused, then you're not really helping anybody. You're just putting somebody in jail because you don't like them because you think that what they're doing is gross and you don't understand them. You know. You're being a fucking bigot. Literally, the only the only thing that that zoophilia and bestiality laws accomplish is to put people in jail who were not abusing animals but having sex with them. He went to TIFF, and I remember like <laughs> like I, I one year I went to TIFF. I saw him, and he, part of me wanted to go up and just say, "Hey, do you want to fuck dogs still?" <laughs> I didn't have the because I was because he has such a fucking rabid fucking loser yeah, fan base. So I was like, fan. I don't want to fucking feel the wrath of this. Yeah, the but, fuck but one of his, my mind. Yeah. But one of his like most famous um videos it's like three million views is him making fun of the scene where um the dad gets a shotgun and he just kills his family it's in one take and um young uh, yeah young Coldplay is like taking his shot off because he thinks it's like fun time for his dad and he gets like shot in the um shot on like the side of his chest he survives that and gets very pissy with uh, Josh Brome. It's a fucking weird movie, man. Honestly, it's not good by any means, but it's fucking weird, man. I, I think it's interesting the fact that they tried to remake this movie in America because you can't make Old Boy in America. You just can't make a movie no. like this here. Like I read, Tad Stileski wants to remake Man from Nowhere, which is a very famous Korean action thriller. I don't know if you've seen it. Imagine The Professional without the pedophilia. It's actually a fantastic mm -hmm. movie, but he wants to remake it and it's a movie about like child organ harvesting villains or cops who can't make a movie like if you no. make it here it's got to be so toned down and so audience friendly so it just it boggles my mind they would even try to do it because you just you're like that's the appeal of south korean cinema we don't make shit like this here we can't make shit like this here like the only time you see like shit like that is um whenever i'm in Glasgow, i would occasionally see like Falun gong guys going on about how, like, the Chinese government's organ harvesting people, and it's just like, yeah, that's... If you, if you remade that movie, it would just be a Falun Gong movie. Yeah, if you it, remade it makes, that, like, no would, sense in a Western context. It would be Russians, and it would be, like, he's an ex-special force. Like, it's just the dumbest... It would make no sense, and, like, the way it's done in Korea is more nuanced. That's a fucking amazing film. That's one of the movies that really, like, spearheaded my love of South Korean cinema, because there's a, there's a knife fight in this movie. I think most people have seen it, where... There's no music, and the only sound effects are just the knives scraping against each other.
so fucking intense. Nice. I know Martin Scorsese wanted to remake The Chaser at one point, which was the uh, second uh, runner-up for this episode we were going to do. And I could see that one being remade because it's not as... It's it's a downer, but it's not that violent of a movie, despite... Yes. Know, it's not like region-specific as well. Like, that film is just about serial killer, which you could yeah, very easily do in Yeah, it's a movie about the haves and have-nots and the indifference of police and the fact that prostitutes yes. are seen as lesser... Yeah. God, that movie it's, it's, is fucking fantastic. Yeah. It's just very indicative of, um, in the old boy remake, the bad guy isn't even American. He's just some, yeah. like, poncy British guy. Yeah, that's the thing about this movie that I love, too, is the supposed hero of this film, the badass, is, gets his ass kicked a lot. That yeah, scene, constantly. That scene where they go to the apartment and they just kind of bully him and torture him and he's just taking yeah. it. Because he's, he doesn't know what the fuck is going on. He's been in jail for 15 goddamn years and... He doesn't know who these people are. He doesn't understand why, because he's trying to figure it out and just, just having this, having just bad times, and then he fucks his stepdaughter, which is we may yeah. as well get into that. Fucks his um, daughter. But, but before we do that, uh, my favorite scene, my absolute favorite scene in this, is when he gets into the um, the fight with the uh, like the henchman, the blonde henchman. Oh He yes. like sticks up. He sticks like a like a knife. Yeah, like a broken toothbrush on his ear, oh. and that like just causes him to go insane. And the um, all the sound stops. It's just music, and it's just him getting thrown about the apartment. Oh, that's so good. That's just that. That's the the, the style of. This is how Park Chan Wook kind of develops who he is as a director, because the films before this were never as overtly stylized. Because I, when we're done talking about the movie, I want to get into like his other films after this. But, uh, yeah. So the the end reveal of this movie is one of the most fucking disturbing things I've ever... <laughs> oh, man. The first time you watch this is, is is one of those experiences. It stays with you, man. It fucking stays with you because the whole movie, you're rooting for these two to get together and then they drop that shoe and you're revolted you ever even had that thought in your fucking head. It's probably one of the best fests in any movie. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it doesn't come out of nowhere. There's like your little... Yeah, it builds pieces. to it. Yeah, it builds to yeah. it. Like the, there's a lot of elements of hypnotism that before he gets out the suitcase, they keep bringing up hypnotism, which that yeah, whenever like, he um tries to kill himself in the prison, he has to be like gassed and hypnotized into like until like yeah, wrapped yeah, up. He still have another ten years to go. One of my favorite shots of this movie is our fucking villain with a quote unquote villain with the gas mask leering over him. Yeah, there's some of gas masks that are just so fucking frightening to me. Hypnotism, and then we find out. This girl is his daughter and just... He has a very appropriate reaction to this information, I think, personally. <laughs> yeah, it's just like full-on breakdown. He cuts his tongue off. No, he tries to kill. Is... He runs at him yeah. with a fucking knife. He's like, you motherfucker! Like, he just... Yeah, that's when he starts getting thrown around and fucking... Ah, oh, man. Oh. When we saw that, we were just like... We were just in pure silence. It's oh, like, yeah. God damn. I wish oh, I could have. I did get to see this in theaters for its 15th anniversary. I know Neon re released this for its 20th. Yeah. God, I wish I could have been there again just to see people who have never seen this movie before and just watching them just, oh my. Like the, the unanimous silence washing over the audience. It's fucking palpable. I'll never forget that. People gasped. People. Some woman started fucking crying. It was insane. I do enjoy when. Um movies that have been out for a while like get re-releases and you go see them and it's like half people that have seen it a million times before and half like 
people have never seen it before. I tried watching because it's like the new 4K release of The Exorcist recently. That that was like a completely botched fucking screening. It's like, and I don't know if it's the problem of like the new 4K transfer screening was just completely botched. That it was sucks. Like, Although I did see, yeah, it was like I, cult, yeah. I did go see Exorcist: The Believer because I had a free ticket. Oh god! I'd rather go see the botched Exorcist cut than this. This was, <laughs> oh god. Uh, uh, a, it turns into it's, a fucking Marvel movie in the last twenty minutes. I don't even yeah. want to talk about it. It's fucking. I, I'm gonna get. Is, is it any worse than uh, Exorcist Two: The Heretic? Honestly, whatever your opinion on Exorcist Two: The Heretic is, at least John Borman did something with that movie. At least he swung for the fences. This is like, this is off topic, but this movie pissed me the fuck off because. <laughs> okay, you 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 spend four hundred million dollars for the rights to The Exorcist. And you make the most bare-bones, basic exorcism thriller you could possibly make. And you hire fucking David Gordon Green, who just came <laughs> off a bomb with fucking Halloween Ends less than 12 months ago. What the fuck is your problem? Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, Jesus. I'm, I'm convinced he has, like, compromise and people. If this was going to ruin his career. Because this is the kind of movie that... You this sticks with you. It's like with Andreas Muschietti after the Flash. You're just forever going to be yeah, associated yeah, yeah. with this. Doesn't matter what you do before or after. This is what I'm going to remember you for. This piece of garbage that. Oh yeah, but no Exorcist too. I would rather watch that again. At least John <laughs> Borman. Like say what you want. Yeah, the script is shit, but also you've got fucking. James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones fighting yeah. fucking an African headdress. You've got crazy shit at least it's a movie that swings for the fences and even fuck even rennie harlan's version of exorcist <laughs> 4 i'm not even kidding that movie is at least turns into an action movie at the end it's at least yeah that, that movie's batshit by the end so. gorgeous cinematography by Viamos, oh, uh, Zygmos, who uh, actually shot the paul schrader film they brought him back for that like yeah, it's the it's I, the yeah, it's, Rennie Harlan it, it, Exorcist movie is it, it's better bad, than this. but yeah, it's bad, but like the final half hour was um, scars, scars in the cave. Oh, yeah, fucking that, that's at least fun. Like this has no yeah. fun. Like the Paul Schrader film, like whatever your pin is, at least it's, it's at least it's interesting in parts. I still it's, haven't seen that. I know it's like very hard to get hold of. It's, it's kind of boring. I know Shout Factory mm -hmm. has it somewhere. I think they put it out with both, but uh, it's. It's not good, but it's at least like there's there's elements of it that are compelling enough, and Skarsgård gives a really good performance. Yeah, this movie's just fucking worthless, absolute yeah. piece of fucking dog shit. This thing, but yeah, that's enough for my exorcism fucking rant. There, sorry. <laughs> God damn it, I was I left that I have been that angry leaving a movie in a long time. It really yeah. like, just the laziness of it pissed me the fuck off. But yeah, yeah so so he has the freak out. Sorry, going back to old book, <laughs> he has the meltdown. And that is such a sad fucking scene. You feel so bad for this guy. He's like, yeah, we talked about it earlier. I'll be a dog. Bark, bark. And then he... You only... There's this great shot where he's just groveling. The camera pulls up and you see the villain. Just kind of have pity for him. Like, he's just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I didn't expect yeah. this much. Like, he just looks like... He's shocked by what he's seeing. Sad as fuck. Yeah, it's like, I didn't ask you to cut your tongue off, like, I, I, I just exposed that you've been, like, fucking with your daughter, so, like, well, everything is, after that came from your fault. This fucked up revenge plot that he's been yeah. building for 15 goddamn years, that's why this is so twisted.
Like he systematically stalked this man, and that's why this movie's so fucking crazy. It's just like yeah. you, you think of the logistics of planning this and getting the funds to do this, because you find out he's like a yeah, rich tycoon. Yeah, or he's something. some like rich hedge fund asshole, which is why he's able to finance all this. And he offers him, um, he offers him like a fuck ton of money, and he'll kill himself if he like finds out. Um, where he's been imprisoned, he just doesn't like do that. He's like he walks away after the thing has been revealed, and he only kills himself when he gets a flashback to his that um, is so... sister killing herself. That's what I love about this movie: the the lack of revenge in this. Because a lot of revenge movies are supposed to be like cathartic, and no one gets revenge. And the one guy who does get his revenge finds out revenge is fucking meaningless. I did all this for nothing. Like the pain didn't go away. And this yeah, is you're, the only you're... way the pain goes away. Boom. That's it. Yeah, if you're constantly thinking about your sister that you would fuck. Yeah, Jesus, that's, um... that's some... You know, if I thought that too, I'd probably put a bullet in my head as well. I'd say <laughs> it's not easy. I don't condone suicide, but probably the best move for you, buddy. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's... if you're fantasizing about uh, fucking your family, sister, then yeah. Not even your regular yeah. sister. Not even your life. Oh, this movie's twisted, but... Then this leads to the last scene in the movie, which is the movie's already plunged a knife in your gut. Now this is when it turns it around. It is so, this is heartbreaking where they're in the snow. They try to do unhypnotize each other and they hug each other. And then this to our protagonist has like, he starts laughing maniacally. And this is the most, this is a shot that you can read this a dozen different ways and they might all be wrong. Like, this is one of the best ambiguous endings I've ever seen to a fucking movie. Yeah. After he goes back to the um the evil hypnotist and it's like, yeah, the um I'll give you half the money the bad guy gave me for um just to make this go for uncoupling away. the plot. Just to like MQ Ultra me to like forget this ever happened. And by the end it's why is he laughing? It's like It's so dark. Did that did that actually work? Does he fully remember? It's like, so oh god. The fact it doesn't answer that's yeah. why it's so great. It's just like yeah, that's why this it movie's works. twenty years old. We don't you can view this in a dozen different ways. It's so brilliant. And there was a great interview. I wish I could play a clip for this because he's speaking in Korean. But Park Chan-wook did an interview with Vandy Fair when this film was getting re-released. And he talked about he was very worried about re-releasing the movie because he had no idea how this was going to play 20 years later. He said, when I made this film, very specific time in my country and I was a different man then and I'm curious to see how it's going to be perceived by modern audiences. And I think in a lot of ways it's aged better now than it did 20 years ago. Oh yeah, because um, apart from like all the shit in the internet cafe where his best friend gets like his oh, throat slipped with oh, the fucking throat and The fucking yeah. villain's like the mask starts to slip, the, the cool demeanor. Yeah, he's, he's, he's just like sitting uh, in front of him listening to the entire conversation and, he, and when his um his shitting friend brings up the dead sister he yeah, just snaps the mask slips and he's like don't fucking bring her up like he he has that on the whole movie and then it just fucking falls off in that one scene and you see this guy's just completely insane like aside from the the slick apartment and suits he's a fucking lunatic this guy the way that this movie has it has it has grown and influence. Like I said, fucking Marvel has taken influence from this movie. That is how powerful and to make a film that long ago and it still be as effective as it is now is no small feat. And I think that's the why I think Park is such a special director because after this he's gone on to do again Lady Vengeance. He did Thirst, which is a, a vampire movie. 
Um, he did The Handmaiden, which I don't think you've seen still, but I think no. you should absolutely watch it. It's it's probably the closest thing he's ever made to like a crowd pleaser because nice. it's it's a movie about lesbians that actually win at the end and fuck over their evil count, who's an asshole. Yeah, because most of his movies, I watched uh, Stalker um, yeah. recently. Yeah, I wasn't a fan and, of that. Man, that's, yeah, it's, it's not great, but it's also like... um. Yeah, but from Nicole Kidman and a brother of a like yeah. pedophiles or something. Yeah, no, I think I think the problem with, the problem with Stoker is that like this is the problem with a lot of Asian directors who come to America. To make yeah, movies. come to the West and yeah, they they don't. A lot of these people who make these films don't understand. Like, these guys, they're at their best element when they do a movie that fits their style. Like John Woo, like when he came to America, Hard Target fit his style. Face Off fit his style. Mission Impossible 2 does not fit his style at fucking all. And like Wind Talkers didn't. And then you had Tarsu Hark try to do double team. And if you've ever seen that, the Dennis Rodman, John Claude Van Damme buddy yeah, action was... movie. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, that yeah, doesn't. I, just, I feel like Mission Impossible 2 was like the last period of um, Asian directors coming over here to like yeah. make action movies. Like you hit like, and it's just yeah, you and then with Parcha and you tried Stoker, and they gave him this fucked up script. He's a fucked up director, not understanding that his movies are fucked up, but there's always an interesting through line to them. With like Thirst, the the premise is is a priest who's never felt alive in his entire life because he's you know in the church, and the minute he becomes a vampire, he's like, I feel more human than I've ever felt as a man. And that's the that's the through line that leads him to the barbarism, and then you have uh, the handmaiden, which absolutely fits his style because it's this real twisty turny thriller where language is used as a weapon because half of it's in Japanese, and it's all about this count trying to like fuck these two women who are lesbians that also turn on him. It's just it's such it so fits his style, and Stoker is just a movie that's just like here's a fucked up script, let's give it to a fucked up director, and like. All the yeah. nuance goes out the window. There's a few decent Park Chan Wook moments when he's beating the guy with the rock in the car, and then there's the <laughs> snap zoom. That's a real Park Chan Wook moment. But yeah. the rest of the movie is kind of a. It's not awful, but it's definitely like it's easily I think his weakest film. Which is yeah, it's, it's fine. It's, it's, fine. it's not great, but it's it's well it's watchable. Uh, I just saw that he um he worked on Snowpiercer. He did produce is, it. Uh, he I think it was good. Oh, yeah. And Bong Joon Ho. It's interesting. Bong Joon Ho's kind of the mainstream answer to Park Chan-wook because Park Chan-wook would never be a mainstream director. No. Whereas Bong, like, he made Okja, he made Snowpiercer, Parasite. Like, he is kind of the, like, mainstream answer for the South Korean new wave because, you know, he won four... I, that is, I don't think Park Chan-wook could ever do a Netflix movie. No! <laughs> No. <laughs> no. Maybe when Netflix was like throwing money at Jane Campion and fucking who was the guy who made Blondie. Maybe then. Not now. Not fucking now. It's interesting to see like which of these movies actually breaks through like Parasite and Squid Games and those broke through and you know uh, Bong is going to try another hit at American cinema with Mickey 17 which I'm very curious about. Pat Robert Patterson being directed by Bong Joon-ho is going to be a lot of fucking nice. fun. I think that'll be a very if they give him creative freedom because he did have a very hard time with Snowpiercer. That did that was a rough fucking shoot apparently. We need to do a Weinstein episode at some point because like the amount of movies he like fucked over. Oh yeah, no, he was a piece God of shit damn. before we found out he's a serial rapist. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. He was an asshole even before that. Uh, then he did Decision to Leave recently, going back to Park, which is yeah, yeah. a movie we've alluded to, but it's... Well, we talked about it in our, um, like, best 
Yeah, you uh, had on your you had on your yeah yeah you had on your third, and I saw it on New Year's Eve as a double bill with the whale. Fucking hell, what a way to end the year! <laughs> what a way to end the fucking year! Just going back to my hotel room, just wanting to end myself. <laughs> uh, and- but uh, that movie has that seems like a turning point for him because that movie does not feel at all like any of his other films. No, there's not a lot of violence. There's very little. Uh, it's very stylish, but there's not a lot of violence. There's not a lot of sleaze to it. But then that last five minutes is the most soul crush. Oh, it might be more crushing than the end of Old Boy, yeah. which is already yeah. crushing. Like he's just running on the beach, like "Where are you?" And just she's buried herself alive. And oh, soul yeah, crushing, just, fucking soul crushing movie. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Go see, watch. Decision to leave, but. Uh, Keep all sharp objects away from yourself by the end of it. It's a fucking hard movie to get through. It's like the most like anti-romance romance movie. So oh, it's amazing! It's, it's it makes me very excited to see what he's going to do um, now because uh, he's opening himself up now to more different stuff. That feels like a turning point. We're going to see some very yeah. interesting stuff coming from him in the near future, I think. But uh, yeah, that's old boy. Um, what are your final thoughts on it? Would you recommend it to the audience? Uh. Oh yeah, hell yeah! It's it has this weird timeless quality uh, quality to it, where it's like this could have easily been like a two thousands movie, but apart from some scenes in the internet cafes, this feels like very timeless. Yeah, no, I think I think that I think the elements of it, um, the fact that it, again, it's so influential and it is it can still shock people to this day. I think it is a oh, time. Yeah. It's a timeless movie. It's a movie that. It's usually still to this day, if you're just getting into South Korean cinema, this is the movie that everyone says yeah, you should this watch. Is, Even this now. is the R South Korean movie. Yeah, yeah this, is the, this is the one that um, if you've seen a Bong Joon-ho film, you eventually are told, go watch this movie. And, well, I mean, I love Bong Joon-ho, but it ain't no Park Chan-wook. I'm sorry. No. You, like, I love you, Bong. You're a great director. You ain't Park Chan-wook. Park Chan-wook's a different fucking animal altogether. <laughs> an absolute yeah. fucking auteur in the truest sense of the word and god damn it I hope he keeps making movies until he kills over <laughs> so uh, join us next time for um for a film that like we're doing another um new film next time yes. I know you've seen this already yes. um, I'll be watching it tomorrow oh, so it's another oh, uh, yeah so it's people just to tease it's three and a half hours long it's playing in cinemas god right damn. now go see it cause this thing oh this fucking or to go see it. This will fucking be talked about till Oscar season's over. This thing's a fucking meal. But uh, have a good time. Stay safe. Uh, be happy. Have some sake and be happy. What did you think of the American remake? I'm sorry to disappoint you all, but I haven't seen it yet. 